this is Anthony Haynes, I'm Creative Director of Frontinus Limited. Welcome to the Grey Lit Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability and research. Now, many grey literature projects take a long time, things like uh, writing a dissertation or compiling a long report. And the more that's true that the projects themselves take time, the more the production of grey literature requires not only proficiency in writing, but also project management. The, the writing projects themselves need to be managed. And with me to discuss that aspect of project management, I'm delighted to have with me an expert on project and program management, Villa Hellenius, who's managing director of Symbolite. So welcome, Villa. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, we've had many conversations about project management, and I've learned a great deal from you in the process. I think the first thing I learned from you was actually uh, more clarity on the distinction between two approaches. Uh, one is typically called waterfall, and the other is termed agile. So my first question is, how do you characterize these two approaches? Yeah, so the waterfall is, is a more traditionally used approach that assumes that the deliverables are delivered largely sequentially. So if you're running, for example, a software project, you know, typical phases of the work would be, you know, an analysis phase, a build phase, test and a deploy phase. And they would yep. follow in that kind of sequence. Now, Agile, that was developed in sort of the early 2000s, is a response to the problems or, or, or morbidities, I think they call them in academia, uh, with the waterfall. Right. And it takes more of an iterative approach, so it uh, repeats those phases multiple times. Morbidity sounds um, <laughs> sounds very alarming. But uh, So we've got two approaches. I mean, presumably there are advantages and disadvantages to each approach. So how should a project manager decide between them? Yeah, that's definitely true. True, Anthony. So, you know, quite a lot of academic research has gone into establishing whether agile methods work better than waterfall. But I think personally, it's it's actually the right question to ask is is not so much is agile better than waterfall. The I think the right question to ask is under what circumstances, in other words, on what types of projects, is one method more suitable than another? Indeed, yeah. So I, I studied that at Oxford. I did some research on this topic, and and, and specifically that problem of when when is better to use agile, when is it better to use waterfall mm. part of that research i came up with a with a framework that i'm calling promise or a framework for program method selection and in a nutshell if you start unpacking that um iterating in, in project life cycles is definitely beneficial and that's academically uh, quite established uh, especially when the, when the project requirements are not that well known um however Right. Whilst iterating is good, um, the downside of it is that on some kinds of deliverables, it gets too costly. Mm -hmm. So as an example, if you're building a house or, you know, imagine the pyramids of Giza, you know, if yes. you iterate through that, the iterating through that would become excessively costly. Yes, indeed. I can imagine. Yeah. So fundamentally, what you are looking at is, you know, what kind of project is more suitable for the iterative approach and what kind of project would be more suitable for the, for the agile kind of project and, you know, the model that I've developed recommends that Agile is used on deliverables that have a low cost of iterating. So in other words, it doesn't become prohibitive. And Waterfall is used on deliverables that, you know, have a high cost of uh, iterating or redoing things. Um, and those will include things like physical buildings, bridges, power stations, 
an infrastructure work where you know eventually you will get you know get get to get to a point where just doing it over and over again becomes too expensive yes yes indeed and another another good example of this is that you know in, in places like public sector procurement you know you have waterfall is it is not just necessary from a from a cost perspective it, it's effectively required by law so you would have things like you issue a tender you know it takes a certain amount of time to to get in bids and so on so ultimately whilst the project itself might be delivered quite iteratively or in an agile way the procurement phase is necessarily even by law to undertaking in a prescribed sequence and that would therefore imply a project where you've got you know an initial phase of waterfall for the procurement and then you'd have then you'd have potentially an agile sequence so agile iterations after that sometimes it's prescribed even by law yes that's interesting that i have to say that that point had never never occurred to me that's an interesting consequence just by way of clarification uh, your own framework um, it's called Promise. Can you uh, obviously uh, we, we include a reference to it in the show notes, but perhaps you could just clarify the spelling of that. Uh, P R O M E S E. So program method selection. Great. And then I've written Great. a blog on that, which is uh, Does your project keep its promises? Which is quite interesting. Excellent. Uh, we'll be very happy to include a, include a link to that as well. Now, we so far we, we've spoken of waterfall and agile as very distinct approaches i mean we treated them virtually as opposites really but uh, is it possible to blend them in some way yeah absolutely and i think in in the real world you know take the example of let's say de- delivering a jet engine development program you know there's a mixture of deliverables so you know jet engine consists of you know typically control system software and there will be quite a lot of hardware obviously to go with that you know quite expensive you know components like titanium fan blade so in those kind of circumstances the agile methods would be best used on for example the software components of the the control system mm-hmm. and if you're then saying which of these bits require more upfront design and therefore lead to lesser uh, lesser numbers of iterations that would be the bits that are quite expensive to iterate such as the titanium fan blade so in a in a case like this what you're looking for is using the iterative agile on on areas where you can do so where you get benefit from doing it um at low cost but when you when you let's say every time you redo your titanium fan blade then you you'd expect to have a, you know quite a good design by the time you go into the wind tunnel with that uh, because yes. you do it 10 times it's far more expensive than redoing it twice yes and the and the most important thing really to consider is that you you, you take into account the appropriate application of the program method to each of mm-hmm. the components or deliverables and, and 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 the innovation in my in my model is that our framework is that you take into account the cost of iterating. So whilst you benefit from iterating, sometimes it gets more expensive than the or costly than um, than the benefit you derive from it. In other words, when you're looking at the cost of rework, cost of iterating, that should be the guiding factor in making choice mm. methods. And and to your point, you know, very often when you're looking at a large, particularly very large program, you find that different methods are more suited to different components of the overall program. And actually, every program manager should therefore be effectively a connoisseur of all of these methods, so that they can apply the method as it's best applied to a particular component on their on their program. That's interesting. I won't go into this in depth, but I, I've definitely discovered through talking things through with people who are writing, say, a dissertation or a research thesis, that um, whichever approach they take, there's room for the other approach at certain points in the project. Now, we've been talking about um, uh, approaches to projects generally, and we've, we've tended to talk about um, 
software and big infrastructure projects, buildings and so on. Um, but let's think now about the, the business of writing projects. You not only know a great deal about project management, but you've written about it. You've written, for, for example, a dissertation on project management for uh, University of Oxford. And writing that dissertation it was itself a form of project. So I'd be interested to know how you went about managing that project. Yeah, so I think, first of all, one you know, one disclaimer is I think uh, academia is a slight, slightly special case because I think... <laughs> The students are, tend to be, whether they're kind of uh, in the early part of their academic career or actually much later on, you know, students, you know, I include myself in that. So we tend to be kind of master procrastinators. And <laughs> the reality is that you know, life always intervenes and every best laid plan, you know, does not, does not ever survive contact with the enemy. <laughs> yes. Being invited to a party or whatever that distracts from your research, you know, you're immediately off track with that, with that plan. So the, the, the kind of... Um, outcome or, or the or the implication of that is that you know for researchers it makes most sense most of the time to work incrementally and iteratively because it's very easy to, to give up if you if you're obviously slipping on your plan so if you're yes. survey for your research for example you know iterate if your results are not you know getting you all the information you need go back and iterate or at least redo some of the work and once it comes to writing up your dissertation um, it's again best to at least in most for most people in most cases to and certainly the case for me and others I know where it's better to iterate through the write-up um, in manageable size chunks because if you're trying to power through, you know, linearly, you probably <laughs> probably give up. So yes, imagine, you know, I'm a big fan of agile generally. If it can be applied appropriately, and, and certainly for academic research, it's for me at least for me personally, it gets to the end result faster, and actually, it's a lot mm. more fun because you actually can adjust things as you go along, and and you don't hold yourself, you know might not be feeling up for it today i can i can do something else and i can put in a little bit more effort on the weekend or something so you know you can actually even have a little bit of fun but iterating through the write-up is is definitely a better approach for for most people yes i i i share that um idea of fun I, to me that's a little bit more like concocting some jazz music rather than finalizing a score for a four movement symphony so thank you now uh you, you've obviously done a huge amount of thinking about in this area of project management, um, and I know you've been developing some frameworks to support other people. So the obvious question is, where, where can listeners find out about you, and how can they contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the one of, one of the easiest ways is to uh, to look at my program management site, which is um, si-pm.com, which at the moment goes to my blog, so si-pm.com. Or alternatively, my uh, company website through the company through uh, through which I do consulting um, is www.symbolite.com. S-I-M-B-A-L-I-T.com. Yep. Me through LinkedIn, and I'm always very happy to swap ideas with program leaders and talk about their work and experiences. That was also part of what I did as, as my research. I talked to a lot of program managers, you know, ranging from people that do software projects to nuclear power stations and so on. Uh, so please do reach out. You know, I'm very passionate about right. making change programs work better in the real world. And I believe that, you know, it can only be achieved by program managers who are continually learning new new ways of doing things and learning from their own uh, own projects as well. And of course, if you're listening to this and, you know, you have a critical major program to deliver, obviously, please do also get in touch mm -hmm. because, you know, I might be able to, you know, we'll be able to discuss through, you know, how we can ensure success in that delivery as well. So please don't hesitate to get in touch. 
Indeed, and I can I can I can say from personal experience, I, I've not only found talking to you on these matters uh, enlightening, but I think you also have an infectious enthusiasm about it, and actually having someone else involved in a project who's got enthusiasm is that is actually a really uh, a really powerful, valuable thing. So Villa, I'm very grateful to you sharing your expertise today. Thank you very much indeed for for appearing on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you everyone for listening. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specialises in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. (laughs) 